Hello, everyone. It's been a while since I preached here in-house at the gathering place. I mentioned it last time that I preached, um, and the last time that I actually preached here live in person was in September because October, November, and December, each time that it was my turn to preach for whatever, how, I don't know why, each reason, we had to go to Zoom. And so this is, I haven't preached here since uh, last September, so it feels kind of, I'm a little nervous and kind of out of habit of, of doing it. And this is also my first message of the new year of 2021, my first sermon. Uh, and as we always do, the pastors of the church, Pastor Q and I, uh, and Pastor Jason is going to next week as well, the pastors, we share what we have heard from the Lord, a specific word for Hope Church, for ourselves, our families, but, you know, as a pastor of Hope Church, what we've been hearing for the church for this new year. Pastor Q shared last week from Daniel chapter 12, verse 3, and Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 through three, and it was about rising and, and shining your light, about being a witness uh, in this world. It was about um, he's going to pick up a new hobby. He's going to go fishing. Uh, he talked about how he has to learn about you know, the different baits and what is appropriate for what type of fish. Uh, and he encouraged all of us to be fishers of men, of people generally, right? And so as I sought the Lord for a word for this new year, it turns out that in Many, um, in many ways, it's very similar to the word that Pastor Q received. I mean, we never collaborate or we never really discuss uh, the word before we actually come up and preach it. So we don't like, you know, ha have a, a meeting and talk about, oh, what are you going to preach? I'm going to preach this. this. is the word I receive. So it amazes me each year when it does you know, come together. And I used to actually worry. I used to worry that, you know, oh my gosh, what if I would get all anxious. I'd be like, and he knows this. I would get anxious when I first came to church because I would be like, what if I get a totally different word, something like from left field, something completely opposite of what Pastor Q is hearing. What does that mean? Like, you know, whose word is correct? And, you know, I would just get all worked up and anxious about it. But I've been here now, what, 12, 13 years, and it's never happened. It hasn't happened yet. So very thankful for that. God knows what he's doing. God knows where he is leading Hope Church. Now, we just finished PPP uh, all last week, the passionate pursuit of God's presence. And each night, we heard from the community group leader, as well as some elders, we heard from them a word that God has been speaking to them, that God has put on their hearts uh, over Hope Church and over 2021. And also, from what I've been hearing, from all of those folks, um, I believe that there is definitely a commonality. There's a commonality, a common theme running through what each person, our elders, session, ministry leaders, have been hearing from the Lord. And as PQ emphasized, rise, shine your light. You know, he was saying that his name, that's even what his name means. I feel that the word that I received actually unpacks that a little bit. Um, I'm big on pragmatic, practical things. And so I feel like the word that Pastor Q gave about rising and, and shining your light, that my word more specifically will bring the how of it. So how, what does that mean, rise and shine your light? And I received very clearly two distinct 
words. Over and over as I prayed and I, as I sought the Lord, there were two words for this year that just was just huge uh, to me. And those two words were humility and courage. Over and over again, I heard these two words, humility and courage for this year. These are going to be the key words for the year. And the scripture passage that I received along with this word is 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 23. Sorry. Yes. So this is the title. Uh, humility and courage are the two words that I heard. And 1 Corinthians 9, um, verses 19 through 23 are the verses that came along with it. So before we get into it, I want to share some thoughts that will really um, set up and introduce this word for 2021. And again, preparing today's message, I was able to really go down memory lane and just think over, reflect, and meditate on all the events and just everything of this past year. So back in 2019, the word I preached, how many of you guys remember this? 2019, some hands actually went up. So in 2019, I went back in, in my sermons and my slides and stuff. 2019, I preached in January that this was the word for the year 2019. It was about shoring up our foundation. And it was from Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 27, right? This looks familiar. Well, you saw it. It was a passage about the wise and foolish uh, builders. One man built his house on rock and another man built his house on sand. And we all know what happened to the house that was built on sand. It was about how Hope Church had to fortify, had to, had to build up our foundation and just go back to the basics of our, of our faith. You know, make sure that we're strong because storms were going to come. You know, we were going to shore it up and brace ourselves and, and go back to just the basics. I believe that's the uh, year that we first started the whole churchwide read through the Bible in a year uh, using the YouVersion um, Bible app. I think that was the first year we began that. So the entire church, we're like, we're going to make sure everyone reads the Bible. Just go back to the basics and shore up our foundations of faith. Then as the year came to an end, I remember discussing with Pastor Q, and, and we were like, okay, you know, we have to start praying about what word God is going to give us for next year. And I remember discussing with PQ saying, you know, I don't think this word is over. I don't think this word is done. God's not done with this word. And so we did believe that it was going to continue into at least the beginning of 2020 that this word about shoring up and our foundations and building was going to go into the beginning of 2020. And then we all know what happened, right? We all know what happened. As Matthew 7:25 says, the rains came, the streams rose, the winds blew against our house and everyone else's. And this storm was called COVID-19, right? 2020 came and the storm called COVID-19 came. So during 2020, we were focused and we spent a lot of time, we were actually forced to focus on ourselves, kind of inward. We were forced to focus on our church, our Hope Church community. We had to learn new ways of doing things, how to do this whole, you know, to navigate this virtual, online, live stream, tech stuff, and, and how we're going to worship. We had to learn new ways of, of doing Sunday worship service. We had to learn new ways of, of how do we, be and do community? How do we have fellowship? How do we, um, you know, have ministry or, or do ministry? We had to learn all these different ways. P Pastor Q and I, man, it was a 
steep learning curve. We had to learn how to use a podcast mic. <laughs> we had to learn how to record and, um, and edit and upload our own sermons. And it was a mess, folks. You don't know how many outtakes there were. Our Veronica, Hope Kids director, she became a breakout YouTube star on our Hope channel, Hope Church channel, right? And, you know, she had to learn how to navigate and do all that. Also in 2020, we read Francis Chan's book, right? Letters to the Church. And with this book, we, we discussed and, and, and um, studied and learned reimagining church about um, the different ways of being and doing church. What are the possibilities? You know, just reimagining and, and reinventing and, and brainstorming about that. In fact, we even spent a lot of money on ourselves. We spent a lot of money on our church, literally the church building. We became part owners of this building, right? So that's where a lot of our church finances and our budget went. Also, looking back over 2020, in reaction to what was happening in the nation with this ongoing racial injustice, the Black Lives Matter movement and everything, our members began to hold monthly conversations. We call them courageous conversations. And, these, and our members, we met and we really um, talked with one another. We listened and, and heard stories, you know, really heard the stories of, of our people, of the uh, diverse members of our church. So during 2019, and definitely all through 2020, much of our focus was inward, I realized. It was about shoring up. It was about preparing. It was fortifying. I mean, we had to learn how to do this, do that, do that, you know, and just, you know, building kind of our infrastructure, really building our infrastructure, right? That's what our focus was. And I'm not saying that that was a bad thing. It's actually, you know, in many ways, it was a good thing because it forced us to think outside the box, do things we've never done before, um, learn things that, you know, we needed to learn and get with the times and such. So it was necessary and basically unavoidable because of COVID-19. You know, we didn't want it, but it was, it was necessary, it was unavoidable, and we learned a lot. But now, in 2021, I believe the word is that we are to begin focusing outward. We're to begin focusing outward. To let our light as Christians shine in the world. That we are to share the gospel. We are to go fishing, right? Uh, fish for non-believers. We are to engage in sacrificial love, extravagant love. And we are to make disciples. We are to go. We are to make disciples. In 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, the Apostle Paul says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. This is Paul speaking. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So I want to look at Paul's example in 1 Corinthians 9, verses 19 through 23, of how he might save some with humility and courage. So let's read the text, today's text. 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 23 from the NIV. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone, to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, 
though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but I am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means, I might save some. To do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. Now, this was the NIV, and I also wanted to read through the message paraphrase version. Uh, I believe that the message, message by Eugene Peterson is not uh, a translation, but it's a paraphrase so that we can kind of, you know, in colloquial terms, get the gist of what he's trying to say. So let's read the message version. Even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people, religious, non-religious, meticulous moralists, loose living immoralists, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. I did all this because of the message, the good news of the gospel. I didn't just want to talk about it. I, want, I wanted to be in on it. So that's the message version that... Um, that I think just really helps us to wrap our, our head around just the gist of it. In verse 19, Paul says that he's free and belongs to no one, right? We just read in NIV. He's free and belongs to no one. Yes, he is free because he is a Roman citizen, right? And being a Roman citizen, he had all the rights and privileges of being a free man, a free citizen of the Holy Roman Empire, which afforded him certain freedoms and such. But he, so he's talking about being free in that respect, but also he's talking about his freedom in Christ, that he has absolutely um, given all, surrendered, and he is um, in Christ. But with that, he has freedom. And although he is free, he voluntarily submits himself to everyone, not just to certain groups, but to everyone, becoming like a servant. Yes, basically following the example of Jesus Christ, his Lord. But why does he do this? And this is the key. Why does he do this? What's his purpose? I mean, who wants to be a slave? Who wants to be a servant? Who would willingly do this? Why would you really willingly do this? Five times in these verses, he says that his aim is to, is to win, meaning basically to gain. And for what? To win and to gain others to Christ, for Christ. At the end of verse 22, he makes this summary statement. He says, I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. His purpose here is to save people from eternal separation from God. And he wants them instead to win eternal life with God. And if you read in verse 23, he says, I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessing. So this is another reason. 
It's to win some, yes, but this is another reason why he's doing this. He does it for the sake of the gospel that he may share in its blessings. So by doing this, he's actually sharing in the blessings and the benefits of the good news himself. Like um, the paraphrase version, MSG was saying, he doesn't want to just talk about it, sit on the sidelines, but he wants to be in it. And so he wants to share in it. He doesn't do it just because, oh, for their salvation, for you know them. But he is actively wanting to, to be in it, to be involved in it, to you know um, the give and take of, of it, to do life with these people in such a way that he can win some. And so will we. And so will we. That we need to be in it. We need to be doing life with these non-believers to be all in and to be able to do this. Let's look closer at this passage. There are three particular groups of people that Paul talks about. And as he talks about these three different groups, his, his relation to the law is different depending on which group he's talking about. First, Jews under the law. He talks about this group, Jews under the law, right? And he says adamantly that he is not under the law. Remember verse 20 said, To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law. And he says here, though I myself am not under the law. So as to win those under the law. Now a slave was expected to pretty much adapt and adjust to the culture of the family that they were a slave to right, the family that they're serving. So when Paul made himself like a slave to the Jews, he chose to take on their, their law-observing ways. He voluntarily uh, chose to behave the way they did and to live under the Jewish laws. Although he is not under the law, he voluntarily, humbly submits and takes on to behave like them and to live under the Jewish laws. Now, for sure, he wouldn't do anything that goes against his Christian conscience right? But for as much as, as, as he can, he is choosing to do this, even though he knew that without a doubt that he himself was no longer under this law, right? As a Christian, he is not bound by this law for his salvation. It's not about all the do's and don'ts and the commandments and this and this and that for the sake of salvation. But he willingly complied. He willingly complied so as not to hinder his witness among them. Among this particular people's group, the Jews who are under the law, he willingly does this humbly and submits to this so as not to hinder his witness to the gospel to them so that he could win them to Christ. He always has a goal in mind. He always has a purpose. He's not just doing this as a glutton for punishment. He always has that goal in mind to win some, right? And then secondly, those not having the law, basically the Gentiles. Anybody who's not under the law, they were considered the, the Gentiles, right? And so he is not without um, the law of God, though. So he becomes like those without the law. But he also wants to say in this verse, um, verse 21, to those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, I am still under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law. And Paul was with the Gentiles, these non-Jews. He accommodated himself to them. 
following their traditions, not imposing or requiring these ones to observe any of the Jewish um, laws, right? And a lot of people take this passage, a lot of missionaries train on this passage because they talk about how, you know, when you go out to a people's group, indigenous or, you know, a different place, that you've got to become like them, you've got to, uh, you know, eat what they eat and not turn your nose at that and, you know, to really study, understand the culture, to be among them, with them, uh, and such, right? Again, without compromising the, the Christ's law that you are still under. And so again, here, he willingly does so, again, that he can win them to Christ. It says clearly, um, so as to win those not having the law. It's about winning and saving some. He's careful to say to the Corinthians, to whom this letter is written, right? First Corinthians, it's an epistle uh, to the Corinthians, uh, the Corinth church. And he's very careful to say that he is not a lawless man, right? Because he says, though I am not free from God's law. So he's careful to say, I'm not a lawless man. Because in those days, if you were considered lawless, what that implied was that you practiced idolatry, sexual immorality, and, you know, all those things. That was being considered lawless, right? And so he does say, wait, I am under um, God's law, actually Christ's law. And he's very specific about that. And thirdly, those who are weak. He is under the law of Christ, as I just said. To those who are weak. This is the third group that he wants to talk to. Verse 22. To the weak, I became weak. To win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means, I might save some. This final group that Paul talks about are the Christians who are weak in their faith. And so he willingly accommodates them as well. He wants to keep them from slipping. He wants to, um, he wants to keep them from being unduly tested and, and hindered in their faith. He wants to try to prevent them from being too shaken up in their uh, faith um, beyond what they can uh, bear. And this includes many of the Christians in the Corinth church, if you know anything about the Corinthians, right? So yeah, he's talking to them for sure. And as he's saying this to them, to this church, they, they realize it too. And a great example of this is also found in the same um, epistle in chapter 8, right? We're familiar with this whole thing about eating food, sacrificed to idols, yes or no, should we, shouldn't we? So in chapter 8 of this letter, the issue was about how the stronger Christians should react to the weaker ones because they believed that eating food that had previously been sacrificed to idols, if you ate that food, that meant that you were committing idolatry. Right? But the stronger Christians were like, food is food. This food does not make or break my salvation. It doesn't matter. It's not a big deal that it was, you know, been previously sacrificed. Food is food. You know, it, it doesn't uh, impact my salvation in any way. And so what do we do here? Paul says to not eat it. He says not to eat the food since it will cause the weaker sister or brother to stumble. And therefore, you are sinning against them. You're causing them harm by stumbling them. You're sinning. You're sinning against them and causing them harm by causing them uh, to stumble in this way. And why does Paul say to do this? Like I said, it goes back to Christ's law. It's because although we are no longer under any of these other, the ceremonial laws, the food laws, you know, the sacrificial laws and all this kind of stuff, we are under Christ's law law, which he mentioned in the previous verse 21. 
So what is the law of Christ? What is Christ's law that we right now as Christians here, believing people, we are under? We are under Christ's law. Galatians 6.2 says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. So the law of Christ has something to do with the one another. The law of Christ has something to do with loving and caring for one another, right? To love and to, to care for and to do life with one another. Like I said, I've become all things to all people so that by all possible means, I might save some. And so he's saying that this, basically, this Christ law, the law of Christ, is the law of love. It's steeped in, clothed in, bathed in love. Galatians 5.13 and 14 says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Yes, we are free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Every command that you can think of that God has given us, it can all be summed up with this. Love your neighbor as yourself. It is Christ's law is the law of love. And so, like I said, Paul being under Christ's law, he wants to do all things as far as he can under this law of loving others, to not hinder, to not stumble, to become all things, to the weak he becomes weak, to, the, you know, to become all things so that he can win some. And again, the only way, as I look at this, the only way that we're able to do this, that he was able to do it, is with humility and courage. They go hand in hand. I realize we have got to, as Christians, clothe ourselves with humility. I mean, we serve the humble king, the absolute perfect, the epitome of humility, right? And we're to follow him. And so the only way that we will even get an opportunity or an audience with non-believers um, is we have to come clothed in humility. You know, when I was at University of Maryland in college, I still remember there were people, I don't know if they, they well, sure, before COVID, um, there were uh, these evangelists or, you know, people that actually stood outside Stamp Union and they would hold these big, like, cardboard um, signs saying, repent, you're going to burn in hell or something like that. And um, they're, you know, shouting and, and um, you know, in their way of evangelizing. I don't know that that is showing really humble love. I don't know that people are, you know, that this man is going to gain an audience, a, a way in to be able to talk with the college students on this liberal campus who are walking around. Again, I was in college many years ago, so I don't know if they still have. They do? But it's the same guy. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's 30 years later. But, um, yeah, so, you know, free, free speech, and so people are on campus are, are doing that. But the more I think about it, you know, in today's crazy, just how the world is, you've got to go lower. You've got to always go lower. When, you, you know, when people, you know, you want to gain an audience, you want to make an inroad, and you want to share the gospel, you want to witness to someone, you've got to go lower. That's the way to, to get in, is to go lower. And the other thing that stops us, lack of courage. Lack of courage. You know, I know a lot of humble people. I know a lot of you are really gentle, kind, and, and humble, right? But y'all lack courage. I know a lot of people with a lot of fear. And so they're like, oh, that's just not me. That's not my personality, you know? And, 
you know, oh, someone who's more outgoing, someone who's type A or someone who's, you know, um, extrovert, you know, and all these things. But no matter what your personality or your, um, what is that thing, those numbers, Enneagrams and all that kind of stuff, right? No matter what, right? It's biblical. And God tells us to take courage, to have courage, because he says he will never leave us or forsake us. He is with us. And it is not by our power or by our might or by our sweet speech and our, you know, glib tongue, you know, that we're going to win some. But it truly is because of God's power. But we've got to then own the courage. We've got to take the courage to go ahead and speak the word, to approach someone, to share, be open to that. We've, that's our part. Come in humility and to have the courage. And then it's up to God. God will do the rest. And so this year, I want to say, may we follow Paul's example as he follows Christ. I think that is so awesome. He doesn't say, he's he's always on Christ. Paul never says, come on, do as I do because I got it all together. Look, my method works. Come on, you know, I'll show you. He doesn't say that. He's always about, follow me as I follow Christ. He's always pointing the way to something, something greater, to someone greater, right? So as we focus outward, as we obey the Great Commission to make disciples this year in 2021, to become all things to all people so that by all possible means we might save some. It doesn't say that we will save all. Paul doesn't say so that I can save everyone. He says so that he might save some. But how will they be saved if they never hear it? We assume so much. I feel like we take on so much assumptions like, oh, you know, if you live in the U.S., who hasn't heard the gospel who hasn't heard about jesus christ and so we focus our efforts on these you know villages and you know remote areas indigenous peoples and you know continents where you know people still don't have the bible in their own language you know we focus on that because we're like oh poor them they've never heard the gospel and we just assume that everyone in america has heard the gospel right but you would be wrong you would be wrong we should not assume that assumption is wrong, especially with this new generation, especially with the younger folks. And there's plenty of people living in America who have not, truly have not heard the gospel presentation, the good news of Christ and why and what and where, and just, just really to be able to hear that presentation. I believe the way forward, again, is with humility and courage. These two are key. I just kept hearing it over and over again uh, as I was praying into 2021. Humility and courage. They're key in how we present the gospel, and they're going to be key in how we save some. Coming out of 2020 with these ongoing racial tensions and uh, you know, the injustice issues, coming out of 2020 with COVID-19, there's even a more stronger or it's mutated and there are different variants and things like that. Um, coming out of 2020 with an upheaval with our government, the elections, uh, especially what we saw happening last Wednesday, you know, it's like the elephant in the room. Um, what we saw happening last, we are here in the DMV area. Washington, D.C. is not that far from us. Literally, we are in the thick of things here inside the Beltway, right? Everything that's transpiring here, everything that we have seen, now more than ever, now more than ever, the world is desperately searching for hope. 
this is our prime time, people. People who pre previously may have been closed to the gospel, believe me, they are open now. Because things aren't working. Life is crappy, you know. Things are just really going down and getting worse for a lot of people. They, it, maybe they were closed to it before, but they, things have happened where it's caused them to be more receptive and caused them to be open. But I feel like we Christians are still here saying, oh, you know, <laughs> no, that's not for me, you know, and kind of, again, focusing inward. But I feel like the doors are open, the opportunities. It is time. It is time for us to focus outward and to go beyond our, the walls of our church, the church walls. The world needs Jesus, and we need to be that light, to bring that light to them and to share the good news with this world because the world is desperately searching and looking for hope, searching and looking for something. And let me tell you, Jehovah Witnesses are really good. You know, other people, you know, other uh, religions and other um, even cults and things like that, they're working hard, they're ramping up. They, they seize the opportunity. They know, they see, they see that the harvest is plentiful for people are, are looking for answers, looking for hope, you know? And so I think that as Christians, we who are the true light, the true light um, that shines, the light of Christ through us, it, this is our golden opportunity to get ahead of the rest, to get ahead of these other religions and cults and things like that and to move forward. And we're the ones that need, need to be the first ones out the gate. I know uh, I spent a lot of time talking about it. I want to close with um, this thought too. It's not in my notes, but... I've been thinking about this, and I know God's been bringing this um, incident to my mind. I've been wondering, how do you measure how mature you are as a Christian? How do you measure that? You've been a Christian your whole life? How do you measure growth? How do you measure that, oh, looking at five years ago, looking at even yesterday, I've grown. How do you guys measure that? I'm, I'm seriously asking this. Think about it. If someone were to ask you, how do you measure your growth? Is it that you've read through the Bible 20 times? Is it that you've managed to memorize 100 scriptures? Is it that you've never missed church on Sunday? What are, what are the, you know, the standard or parameters or, or you know, things that cause you to kind of measure your maturity and, and just how you're doing if you've grown? I was thinking about this, and I think that, and this came out of a discussion from Letters to the Church. Uh, I still remember Dan Yara. I think it was called KPI, Key Performance Indicator. Yes, I'm not in the business world. So I was like, huh. So as everybody was talking and discussing on Zoom, Letters to the Church, I had to quietly Google it. What is KPI? Because everyone else seemed like they understood. They were just talking about, yeah, KPI, KPI. I was like, what is KPI? Key performance indicator okay see you all know this um and what the key performance indicator was and, and daniel raw um was talking about this is he says that it's how many you have influenced to receive christ how many you have shared the gospel with how many um came to christ as a direct result of you something you said or did or your presence or something how many you've shared with, how many you've influenced. Maybe you weren't the, the direct person to even break it down and share the gospel, but you influenced somehow, you know, just by being their neighbor and friend and them knowing that you're a Christian, you know? How many you've influenced 
to come to Christ. And I was like, huh, I'm going to go with that as the KPI. I'm going to adopt that as my KPI. I'm a pastor, you know, and I feel like I'm pretty mature in my faith. Uh, I don't get shaken. I don't, you know, uh, but I do get tested, tempted, trials and things come. But I was like, how many have I influenced, you know? How many non-believers, you know, I preach, teach, and, and, you know, care for the sheep, those who are already in the house, who are inside the walls. But how many am I personally, not because I'm a pastor, but because I'm Christ's follower, how many am I able to, to influence? And I feel like directly to, to see how much you've matured and, and if, you know, the maturity level of, of, of being a Christian is looking around to see how many you've discipled. How many you've invested in? How many you have grown? How many you have raised? You know, and to be able to say, like Paul, follow me as I follow Christ, right? I feel like so many of us have been at church for years and years and years forever, but we're still infants. We're still saying, feed me, feed me, you know, and just still in our spiritual diapers. But I feel like, no. We've been feeding you for years now, okay? Get off that diet. And you need to really start to, to say, no, I want solid food. And, and uh, you know, that's going to be my measure to see, you know, to disciple others, to see who's following me, to see, to look behind and, and see and, and just invest. I think that is a better hallmark. And one last thing, one last thing, another story I want to say is, as we shine our light, as Pastor Q was emphasizing, um, and this great um, commission as we go forth. A lot of it has to do with the fact that we, we do what we do because the love of Christ, because of Christ's law to love one another, right? I feel like we get confused, especially with the whole social justice and um, different, you know, civil, you know, things like that. We think that being morally good and a good moral person having high morals morality whatever is the same as being a good christian right so let me unpack that so we should not do acts of kindness be gentle and and serve uh, mercy um, you know things like that we shouldn't do these things because i'm a good person because i'm a nice person I'm a friendly, kind person. That's just who I am. I'm kind. I'm nice. You know, I'm a good person. No, we do it because we are under the law, the Christ law, and I am obedient to that law that as a Christian, I am commanded to look after the, the widows and orphans and, and sacrificially show love to others because of my identity and because who I am. Not because I'm a nice person, not because I'm kind, I was brought up with manners, right? Do you know what I'm saying? So for instance, so this year, as I, as I say, 2021 for all of you here and those who are listening, when you go forth, when you do and shine your light, not your light, but uh, God's light, the light of Christ, I wanna encourage you to make sure that the recipient, the person that you're influencing or shining your light upon, that they some way are clear that it's because you are a disciple of Christ that you do these things. Not because I'm just a nice Asian woman, you know? Do you know what I mean? Like I want people to know I'm doing this because I'm being obedient to my Lord um, and I am a Christ follower, and so I'm doing this. So a good example of this was when we first moved from Seattle to Maryland, we were staying at my parents' house in, in PG County in Riverdale, and I remember um, 
Hun and I were driving home. It was late at night, almost around midnight. Um, I forgot where we were coming home from. The kids weren't in the car. They were home with my parents. And we're driving, and it was around midnight, so I fell asleep in the passenger seat, and Hun was driving. And then um, the car stopped, so it woke me. And I thought, oh, we must be home. And I opened my eyes, but it was all dark. And I was like, this is not our garage. This is not home. And I realized we were on Kenworth Avenue in Riverdale. This is around midnight, Kenworth Avenue. It's dark and stuff. You know, there's a few street lights and stuff. You know where that Greenbelt Road and Kenworth Avenue, right? It was near there. And so um, Hoon stopped. And I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? It's like late at night and stuff. And then he was like, oh, there's a car uh, stopped on the side of the road, broken down. I think they need some help. And I'm like, wait, because I was like, you know, we we in PG County, but but um, he, he you know he doesn't know. So so he he went out there, and I'm like all anxious now, and I'm like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, and I'm trying to look to see who who's in the car, what the issue could be, why this car stopped, and I see two women, and two women um, when they saw Hoon approaching, they got out of the car, um, and you know I see them, they're talking and stuff like that. And I got my phone ready. If, if I need to call 911 or something, you know, um, and he's talking to them, and then I see him kneeling and doing something with their tire, trying to do different things like that and whatever. He comes back to our car and gets some piece of equipment or something like that, and he's like, oh, it's just two women. Their car broke down. Um, and they said that the cop had come by, and the cop stopped, and, you know, he tried to help them and see what it was, but he's like, no, I, I can't fix this. He's like, I, I can't help you, and left. And so they're just there, they're not knowing what to do. And it's around midnight, two women, uh, and they were, you know, it's neither here nor there, but they were uh, black, uh, two black women there. And so Hoon, and I was like, they're probably scared of Hoon, some, you know, this guy uh, randomly stopping to help him, help them. But Hoon um, goes, and he's able to fix it. What the cop couldn't do, him being handyman, he was able to figure out what was wrong with that tool wrench thingamajig, and he was able to fix it and, and repair it. The women were so grateful. They were just like, oh, my goodness. They were like, oh, you know, this, you're amazing. And they were just, you know, so grateful. And Hoon's like, you know, that's fine. He's like, you're welcome. And he's walking back. And then they shouted out after him. They're like, you know, thank you, you know. And, and he, I think they even asked, why did you stop? Or, you know, what made you help us or something like that? And I can't be 100% sure because it was long ago. And like, but I remember Hoon yelled back at them, I love Jesus. Hoon yelled back, he goes, I, I love Jesus. And he got into the car. I was like, you know, and that's always stayed with me that, you know, he probably didn't do it like knowing or purposely thinking theologically, all this stuff. But to those women, then they know the reason why this stranger, this Asian dude at midnight on Kenilworth Avenue stopped is because he was compelled by love. He was compelled by, um, you know, being under Christ's law to help and serve and love one another, compelled him to stop and help these women. And he wanted them to know that. Well, I don't know if he really wanted them to know, but he just, it was automatic. He's just like, I love Jesus, you know, and they heard it. Um, and, you know, we went on our way. So again, I want to encourage you this year, as you go 2021, the things that you do as you shine your light, as you're witnessing, seize every opportunity, but not let it be just anonymous, random acts of kindness, but let them know why you're doing it. Why? Somehow to get that conversation and way of, of, of letting them know the reason that you're doing it. And again, being clothed in humility, and courage is going to be key. So as the praise team comes up,
let's close our eyes and um, let's just kind of wrap our heads, our minds into this, going into it. What are ways that you can be humble and courageous? What are your next steps? Even as you walk out this door, even as you turn off your TV, your YouTube, live stream, what are some concrete next steps? If you walk out your front door, is there a neighbor across the street? Is there someone down the street or you know, someone at the local Safeway or Giant that you see all the time? Somebody that needs to hear about Jesus? Someone? I have this Mongolian um, hair. I have a hairdresser that I go to, and the guy who shampoos my hair is this young Mongolian guy. Every time I go, and I haven't been going often since because of COVID, he knows I'm a pastor, and every opportunity while he's shampooing my hair, I always talk about Jesus. And so now, when I go to get my hair cut and he washes my hair, he starts by asking me questions. Even before I say anything to him, he asks questions. He's like, oh, so you know, what's happening at your church these days? And so he'll ask me these theological questions, such deep theological questions, right? And we talk about him and his brother, how they're atheists, and how they came from Mongolia. Who, in your sphere of influence in 2021, that we can kind of measure our maturity and say that we were able to.